Hello there and welcome to the Red Review podcast with me, Jeremy Brim. Um, we've got a really great uh, episode today with my friend Alfie. Um, we're going to be talking about bidding for startups and his experience of working for a number of relatively new organisations uh, and the lessons he's learned in that before he's gone and joined uh, a bigger organisation now. But a really interesting conversation. Uh, Mike couldn't be with us. This was recorded all the way back in November, actually. Apologies, it's taken so long to get out. Uh, I had COVID that got in the way. Uh, Mike's uh, away at the moment uh, in Africa vi visiting um, his wife's family and stuff. So um, it's it's taken me a while to get around to it. I just thought I'd uh, get on with it, get this one out, uh, and we'll bring more episodes to you soon. So let's get into it. Hi, Alfie. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Very well. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and a bit of a fan, I understand, of the podcast. Absolutely. I am actually quite starstruck to be talking to you today. <laughs> well, I'll, oh, I forgot to say in the, the, the pre-show bit, but unfortunately, Mike can't make uh, this morning because we, we had to move it a week, didn't we? Because of my blasted COVID and uh, this slot didn't work for him. So you're stuck with just me, I'm afraid. But it's it's ni nice to have a fan on. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, no, I um, I, so I, I, I have, I think, been listening to um, to your podcast since it started, actually. Um, oh, yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, I, I, I it's very exciting to be here. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, it's nice to have you along, mate. So uh, and we and we have crossed paths a bit, haven't we? Um, a little bit, the, yeah. The last years and I've, I've been pressed when we sort of half joked on a LinkedIn message about something else about you coming on I thought no actually I will get him on because you've got a, an interesting subject area to talk about um, so thank you for making the time yeah, uh, so we better, uh, tell, tell us a bit about yourself please mate uh, yeah sure so um oh god right so I've been doing bids for like uh, I don't know about 10 years which always makes me feel old when I say it um, it's all I've ever done. I left university, became became a bid manager. Who does that? That's weird in itself. Yeah, um, almost no one. I know. So how, how, did, how did that happen? Because that so, is quite Yeah, so um so finished university, uh had no money at height of the of the um uh crash. Um and I just needed a job. Um and I was uh I was working at Asda on the tills at night, <laughs> when, <laughs> um, which I can tell you was a very good use of a degree. Uh, right. When I, I saw a um, uh, an advert for an apprenticeship um, at a uh, uh, like a bid management consultancy, um, and I, I had so in my in my time when I wasn't at uh, at Tesco's, I was trying at Asda rather, I was trying to start a business. Um, helping people with funding applications to secure finance from charities. Um, so, so I used that very limited and uh, unsuccessful experience to blag my way into um, into the apprenticeship to be a, I think it was a bid officer or something like that. Um, okay. I have to say, I just, I, I loved it from the moment I started. Um, with my, uh, my, my partner and I, um, we have a sort of acquaintance and her... Um, uh, uh, her husband is a race car driver and he obviously that's very exciting I feel the same way about bids um, I mean I think I think Sean would prefer that I was a race car driver than a bid manager really but still uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty much yeah that's pretty much how it started 
Which which consultancy was it you joined? So I worked for um, Thornton and Lowe, who uh, at the time was a startup and they were based in Bolton, but I think now they're quite a lot bigger. I think I think they've got offices quite a few places. Yeah, they're doing really well. I think I don't I don't cross paths with them very often. Mike knows uh, knows the guys. I think. Um, but yeah, they've been pretty successful. Good stuff. Oh, not a bad, not a bad place to start either. Very good. Um, so where did you go after that? What's, what's the... uh, so um, then I went to work for um, uh, for a security firm called uh, Kingdom Group, um, and we used to sell um, security services. And most of what I did was dog poo tenders. Um, so fixed penalty notices, charging people for uh, uh, for for litter. Um, it was actually very good. Actually, it was very. It's a very competitive industry, weirdly. Yeah. Um, and then I went to SSE, uh, where I worked in a new bit of SSE. Um, and then I've just worked for sort of startups. So I worked for um, uh, spin-off from Affinity Water, the people who probably bring you your water if you live in London. Um, uh, and then um, Vanfell, um, who are uh, start in the um, district heating sort of space. Um, and now uh, for Ramble. So you joined a big, big old firm now. That's it, yeah. Very good. Um, and, and thank you for Ramble for letting you come on because I know we had to get sign off. From, we uh, did. They're, 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 they're a great place to work and they did not at all make me say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I grew up working with Matt Riley, actually, your, his MD, isn't he? Um, who's one of the brightest people I've ever worked with, actually. He's one of the really? best. DC Harris Partners I've I worked with. I was, I'm a big fan. So you're lucky because uh, I'm sure the business is going places. So thank you for them letting you come on. Um, so what, what are we talking about today, Alfie? You've got an interesting uh, story to so, tell. So I, I don't know if it's interesting. I thought, thought it was interesting. Um, so I've worked basically for a lot of startups uh, and they're all, they're all sort of champagne startups. So they're all like, um, you know, big company wants to start a new bit of a business. Um, but I thought I thought it might be interesting because I don't think people think that you do bidding in a startup when mm. actually um, it's, you know, it's a big part of how you make money. Because uh, I think, you know, when people, um, uh, when you imagine, a, you know, a, um, an entrepreneur, you don't think of them, you're lying awake at night thinking, oh, my God, how are we going to make sure we get all of the marks in the health and safety section? Um, but actually, that's a that's a big part of it. Uh, so I thought it might be um, I it might be interesting to talk about that a little bit. We we learned a lot from doing it. Um, I I think I've got it down to the top three things. Um, so I was just going to share a bit about that, really. Yeah, let's go for it. Why not? So walk us through your top three big okay. three. Your bidding as a as a startup. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first and probably most important thing. Uh, is that you can't, um, it's very, very hard to score innovation. Uh, and this is one of the big things that we learn. So typically in a sales scenario, as you know, you have lots of time to educate your prospect, right, about why why what you're offering that's new is better than what other people are offering. Um, but in a bid, you can't do that, right? Because the, um, uh, the guy who settled the scoring or the team that settled the scoring they did that based on a load of assumptions based about what they knew about the market. So if you turn up with something different, you can have a great idea, but the weighting that it's given or the importance that the um, the buyer wants to give it 
could be a lot lower than it's worth. Um, so, so we had um, we were a leader for customer service in the water market. Um, now, what you probably don't know about the water market is that customer service is terrible and it's really costly because when um, when something goes wrong with your commercial water supply, the person who picks up the phone to sort it out uh, from the from the client side is is usually someone quite senior. Uh, so that phone call costs you a lot, right? Um, so we were saying, hey, we will be the best at customers. We were, we had like loads of know, awards and stuff like that. Um, but with it being a new market and a new way of doing things, the um, uh, the procurement teams that we were we were bidding into just didn't know that that was important. So we would say, no, no, it's all about customer service in our bid. And they would say, no, 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 it's all about price and systems actually. So that's where all the marks are. Uh, and so we would we would struggle because we would say, oh, it's really good. Um, and of course, uh, we really hadn't spent any time educating them about why, uh, why they change how they uh, score the opportunity. Um, that pre-work is really, really important because you've got to uh, educate your prospect about how they should be um, scoring your bid or where they should put the, put the marks. And that um, just turning up with uh, your competitive advantage isn't always enough, right? Um, yeah. The person person reading it has to understand why it's a competitive advantage. Uh, so I think yeah. that was the most important thing that we learned. Um, the other thing that we learned, which I think won't come as a surprise to anyone, is don't lie. Uh, so we, of course, as a startup, you know, we wouldn't have, um, uh, we wouldn't be able to tick all the boxes that other people would tick. Um, so of course, we wanted to tell the truth. So we would spend all of our time doing one of three really unsuccessful things. Um, we would either try to use the, the space that we were given to explain why what they're asking didn't matter or was irrelevant, uh, or we would say, well, hey, good news, we don't have this now, but we'll develop it with you. Um, or we would say, well, actually, um, you know, we just do a different thing. And so this doesn't really matter, actually. And of course, the procurement team would read that and say, mm, no, we really think it does. And to be honest with you, it's too late for us to take on your, your argument anyway, right? Because how are we going to score that? How are we going to score someone saying, someone saying, I've got this and I do it really well, versus someone saying, actually, it doesn't matter. Uh, so if you're going to, a really important thing for you to do, if you're going to bid as a startup, is look at, um, uh, the requirements of the bids that you're that you're going at and think okay actually can we do this and if we can't we need to have a conversation with the buyer now um, yeah and you can even do that through the through the um the uh, portal if you want to you could say hey this is commercially sensitive just so you know we don't have this and this but we need to have a conversation about um about what we do instead because actually we think it could work for you now obviously that's a really it's better to do it before but you could you could if you wanted say hey look guys we don't have x y and z but don't worry about it are you okay with that and so, and some startups might partner with others to fill that gap and that that kind of thing as well i guess exactly yeah so you could you could subcontract through um uh, through maybe a bigger or more established and mature firm um but uh but yeah um so i, th I think that was the that was the other thing we learned and then i the final, I think, hardest lesson 
for for anyone who has a really great startup that they're really passionate about is you have to be able to answer the question is what i'm offering worth all the risks with a very resounding yes because what the procurement person will be doing by taking you on is they'll be taking on a less mature business someone less financially stable someone who probably doesn't have the track record and all that is fine as long as what you're giving them is worth all those risks right so you need to be able to quantify it and it's not enough for you to turn up and say i've got a vision to disrupt the market or i want to do things differently or i think the way that things work now is quite unfair for the customer um, you need to be able to say hey this will do this for you it's worth this much and that's why you shouldn't worry about the fact that we might be bankrupt in two years yeah um no, so really i'm really glad you you, you brought this one to us because it's a really interesting space um a lot a lot of the approach a startup takes depends on its leadership doesn't it that's very true yeah uh, i think you've been quite lucky you've been working with some quite you know entrepreneurial but intelligent businesses uh, but of course, that's not always the case in all startups. There's there's a bit of a watch out for bidding people. It's it's quite easy to go and get a job with a startup that's throwing a, a load of money around because they've got some funding um, when actually they're just bidding for everything and doing that whole, you know, trying to bend responses and making stuff that's up. It, yeah. All that kind of stuff. And it, it comes to a sticky end fairly abruptly um you know there's there's a real watch out because obviously startups are are volatile um you know most new businesses don't work um and so you've got to pick your opportunities smartly which it, it sounds sounds like you did um but that having an entrepreneurial chief exec or md or senior people to work with who get and understand bidding and that you need to do some work pre-bid uh, to to influence the client is critical in in that space. Um, I was quite lucky too. I, I it wasn't quite a startup. It was a little bit more mature than that. But when, when I worked at JBW, Jamie, their uh, owner and chief exec, um, who's not my favourite person in the world for various reasons, subsequently, but actually in terms of uh, he he went off and learned all about bidding and winning work. Wow. All of that kind of stuff and in fact actually fair play to him he, he went and studied at a university in san francisco and did stuff with cranfield university still does stuff with cranfield now uh cross paths with him a bit there and uh you know really honed that skill very successfully and grew a business you know won a lot of proper difficult local government you know proper public sector yeah. stuff um but quite smartly because we very much had that innovation engine bit you know a technology platform that was different to everybody else's we had the odd issue i think the other key aspect is you've got to have procurement people at the other end who will talk to you and quite importantly these days understand what you're trying to say to them um which is actually getting rarer and rarer, um, I have to say. Um, and so, yeah, we had an instance where we ended up taking Southend Borough Council to court. Wow. Uh, because um, it was quite a litigious market. There's basically shitloads of money. In it. It's, it's uh, enforcement stuff when people don't pay their council tax and yeah, yeah. fines and all that sort of thing. Incredibly competitive market because there's no, it's all on your quality submission. Mm -hmm. uh, fees are set yeah. by government. Uh, so and there's no interviews so it's all on your tender and um they are they put a question in about added value um and we said that if we uh, used our system in a particular way with them and they helped us do that 
we would recover £400,000 more in unpaid council tax. Um, and somebody else said that they would give them 20 grand cash at the start of the contract to train their staff in something that was okay. basically pretty material, really. Yeah. And that one, and we lost. Okay. Uh, because theirs was a real cashable benefit at the start, yes. whereas you know our, ours was literally yeah. you know many 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 times more money, and we could demonstrate where we'd done it time and time again before, um, and they just wouldn't accept our our, our pieces added value. So um, yeah, it's, it, I remember that we'd got a different proposition, and quite right, you've got to that capture piece, which very very few startups would know or understand. Uh, is actually more important than um, than for bigger firms probably because you can't you haven't got the resources to throw enough mud and see what sticks have you well the there's that and then you know you, you've not got a brand or anything right so you've got you've got two problems because you've got problem one which is who are these people and then problem two why should I give them the contract um yeah. but uh, but yeah I, I I should say as well that in those um in those startups that I work for, we, we were really successful bidding. Um, mm. So I think I think you're right that it is harder, uh, but it, I wouldn't, if you were listening to this and you were thinking, actually, this sounds like it's way too much effort, um, you can build a successful business as a startup through procurement. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you've got to go about it the right way. That's that's the yeah thing. yeah yeah. You just got to you just got to think about where you want to put your um uh, your time. And in many respects, it's actually um it's actually easier for a startup to do the capture bit um than it is to do the bidding bit, right? Because bid bidding is big, it's resource intensive, it requires you to have loads of maturity in your systems. Um, but actually, if you're a really good salesperson who is a um who who might be the business owner. Uh, if you can get your capture bit right, you might be in a situation where because they know you and they like you and they trust you, when they get your bid, if there's some issues with it, or maybe if it's not as a competitive a proposal, they can think, okay, well, I can put this in the context of the wider conversation that I've had. Mm. Yeah, I, I, and the other thing, there's, there's a balance with this because you can, as I've found with my own business, actually, I, I've I've given up trying to partner with other businesses. Okay, yeah. Um, because I've I've just had loads, loads of my time wasted, frankly, um, and so I've just, I just focus on my own thing now. I've got my own little rich vein of form. I know which types of clients I'd, I want to work with, uh, and that's what I do. But there, for for some businesses, again, when I was at JBW, um, we partnered with bigger firms who couldn't do what we could do, but wanted access to the same sort of space, that kind of stuff. You know, so did a proper assessment of all of the marketplace, approached. Uh, some of the key players and eventually whittled it down and got one key partner because there was there was a um, a traffic enforcement deal when they removed the gates on the Dartford tunnel or Dartford oh, property. Yeah. Uh, so obviously lots of people just drove, drive through and don't pay and so someone's got to go and chase sets. It's that contract. So it's a completely new contract. But one of the bigger uh, old incumbents, Marston Group, who I'd also worked for, quite cleverly had done the capture bit and got the client to put it through a framework that only a couple uh, okay and we weren't yeah. on and most of the companies on the framework were only debt agencies that just had a contact center okay. so couldn't bid it and wouldn't know how to deliver the service right. so what we did we went and got one of those dcas and we partnered with them so they did the contact center bit and we did uh, 
knocking on doors, picking okay. cars. Okay, um, very smart. Came up with a really strong proposition together. And quite smartly, another thing that I advise startups to do, we went and got a recently retired civil servant out of yep. Transport for London, who was one of very few people in the country who understood the legislation had run a yeah. similar contract. Yeah. And we put him into the business. Uh, yeah. we, we won the deal. Uh, it doubled the value of the business. Mm -hmm. And we ended up selling it for like, three times more in the end than what wow. James failed to sell it for before. Uh, and John Mason, who's a mate of mine, who's been on the podcast, actually, uh, it was him that we'd bought in. He's now on the board running that contract and a number of other wow. contracts. They've right. been really successful. So it's, you know, that you, you can think big and, you know, partner. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of in the same space with Midgroup, my new anchor client I've been working with for a few months now. Only a hundred million. They're six years old in awkward right. adolescence rather than. Start. Yeah, that is that's the really tough phase, you know, that that um transition from we do contracts that are worth three hundred thousand pounds to contracts that are worth five million quid mm. that's that's the hard bit yeah i think so i think you're right because there's the bit you know some people as the business scales some people get off the bus some new people yeah. on uh there's all of that kind of maturity stuff uh, to come uh, but fundamentally, we're we're not unlike some of the startups you've worked with that we can do stuff. We can build buildings 20% quicker, 20% cheaper, which is millions of pounds. Yes, it is. Yeah. Because we've gone and we've got more in our DNA with a ma motoring manufacturer than we have with a contractor because they've got this whole pre-assembled supply chain, supply chain piece, like fabrication, all that kind of stuff. It's all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's all, all about offsite. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so much really safer as well, right? That's right. Yeah, safer as well. So there's shed loads of benefits, yeah. but we just need to get on a framework and it will fly. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, we're in that awkward bit where we, we've just had to no bid a CCS framework because we haven't got the case studies. OK. Then and again, we're having this. We're just not quite there, but we, we will be in a year. Yeah. Or so it's that awkward, awkward adolescence. So there, again, there's some of that. How do we partner with others? That sort of stuff going on at the moment. Got you. Got you. you know, you know your client and you're an expert, um, but it's worth having a conversation with CCS about that um, mm. because, you know, the um, particularly local government uh, is set up to support um, new market entrants. Um, yeah. That box at the bottom where it says, if you can't provide any case studies, tell me why. Just filling that out won't help you. But if you fill that out, plus have a conversation, uh, yeah. particularly with it being a framework, uh, they might be able to see the value in in bringing you on anyway without the relevant experience. But they yeah. might know you, you know your client, uh, but it is, it's worth having the conversation. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm just in this awkward phase where a number of these frameworks uh, have come about faster than I've been able to engage. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be on another cycle of two yeah. to three years where I need right. to do exactly that. You'll bang yeah. on. Uh, I mean, don't don't get me started on CCS because I'm really pleased I'm not actually bidding this one. Normally, I'm I'm working with a client on the bid somewhere, somewhere yeah. along and and touch wood. Since I've started the business, I've won every single one I've done. Have you really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been quite a success story. But to be honest with you, they're really really hard work. Oh, they because, are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because they're too simple. Yeah. And I'm slightly concerned because there was there was a consultation on whatever the post Brexit procurement regs should look like mm -hmm. uh, a couple of months back. And the answer to that should be out soon, actually. So watch this space for public sector bidding. Um, but uh, 
some procurement people have read between the lines that it's intimating that CCS are kind of the bastion of great procurement. Yeah, that's not true. Yes, which is a big concern. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for in, as for instance, on this construction, I can say now because I'm not working on it and it doesn't damage anyone, but um, on this construction one, they'd put in a financial viability assessment where you had to be you had to make 5% net margin as a builder to get green. Right. There is not a fucking builder in the world yeah. 5% margin. Yeah. So that instantly shows that they do not understand construction. It, yeah. Like, yeah. night and day if you ask if you ask a builder that question you do not understand construction right. and of the issues in the whole marketplace that have been going on ironically partly because of the way the public sector procures construction so that was uh let's say uh you know angering um when i when i read that and then classically there's the um 2000 character count which is about a page when they're asking quite vast questions so you end up, um, you know, it's not it's not written text you're putting in. It's data, basically. It's yeah, it, it's just there. Um, I, I can I, I can feel your pain. Um, CCS are a super weird organisation. Um, yeah. it, it 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 is like they just don't take it very seriously, which is weird for a government organisation, right? Because normally governments are like. Oh no, we we love procurement. It's one of the most important things we do. Um, so it's it's really odd. I was on a phone call with um, CCS a very long time ago, um, and the 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 procurement manager, um, sh she was just not interested at all. Um, so she had like a, a load of different people saying, "Hey, this is a serious problem. You know, this is going to go wrong, right?" I remember it because she was like, "Oh, oh I see that. Well, you know, if you keep bringing us issues, we're going to have to make the deadline shorter." And she was joking, but it was like, "No, no, no dude, you you won't get it. You won't get a service out of this. This is going to go terribly wrong." Like, you know, when uh, when all when me and all my competitors are saying this is going to go wrong, it's a good time to listen. Um, but well, yeah, they're, they're really strange. Well, to, to give you an, another example off of this very procurement that's happening right now, does the bid doesn't go in for another week or two, I think. Um, the bidders conference was a 30 minute call they'd put in the diary. Um, they were 37 minutes late for it. Wow. Um, for 37 for a 30 minute call. And it turned out that it was just a pre-recorded video. Wow. And John, John Welsh, the assistant director for construction, wasn't actually there it was wow. just a video so there was not going to be yeah, no q a yeah. what's the point you could have just sent us a link yeah. to the video in fact in the end they did because yeah. they they couldn't get their citrix uh you know yeah. thing to work okay. uh, i mean a bad sign in itself right like who is using <laughs> citrix okay. uh, yes agree yeah. um and so yeah they, they were meant to get us all on this call and just play us a video wow that's just terrible this is for the, one of the two biggest construction frameworks ever procured in the country wow. uh, to deliver shed loads of NHS stuff, runway, yeah. RAF, all sorts of stuff. Really, yeah, you know, yeah. all the biggest builders in the country yeah. were all on that call, hundreds of people, um, and they can't be bothered to turn up and actually present to you live or answer any questions. So, particularly when there's a housing crisis as well, right? So there's a there's a there's a moral and um, central government imperative to get it right. Well, and, and there's there's a real drive across government for people to use the CCS yeah. framework. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
so um, yeah that's I'm concerned about the direction of travel of public sector procurement. The the reason why um, they've simplified and oversimplified is because of challenge. Um, so they're terrified of people challenging their frameworks because they did on the professional services equivalents a few years ago, right. where they obviously they'd screwed the procurement up. Um, but yeah, you can tell you can always tell the quality of a procurement by the number of clarifications. That's true. Yes, more clarifications, yeah. the worse the quality yeah. of etc and there are thousands of mm. clarifications on this mm -hmm. um so you i recognize there's a lot of bidders and there's a lot of lots and all that sort of stuff but yeah there's i, I think I, I had a bit of a, a pen pal relationship going with their chief exec simon sai because i'd i'd winged him at a conference a few years ago and asked him some difficult questions in front of some people right and, and I'd actually had a meeting in the diary to go and meet him and talk him through it was i i, I don't like dpss okay dynamic purchasing systems uh, for anything more complex than procuring pens and pencils um, you know they're, they're not there for complex services and yep. uh, because they take away certainty yeah so yeah you get on frameworks because you want certainty of pipeline you can go and engage with clients and all that kind of stuff whereas a DPS is basically a lottery anyone can be on it that's uh, true yeah you can so clients end up if you take Tower Hamlets Council uh, they've got a DPS and they're, they're getting shitloads of bids uh, because there's loads of people on their DPS. Right, right. Just to your point, um, previous organisation, we, we bid to be on a DPS for uh, capital investment and obviously encountered, the client encountered all those sorts of problems. Can you, can you think of anything more worrying, right, than, as you say, a direct purchasing system where people can come, go, there's no real um, vetting for money so like you know something hugely important that let's face it the financial sector is not known for being particularly um fair and ethical anyway right yeah, uh, yeah. What, what an insane thing to do to do to put your capital investment through something that has no rigor yeah that is that is fascinating isn't it i i yeah i'm very, very concerned about the use of dps's and it, it's a watch out for startups because they're easy to get on <clears throat> so as a startup you can get on you think they're going to be this sort of panacea of shed loads of work but you, you can end up being a really busy fool you've got bidding loads and loads of mini bids that there are you know 15 other people bidding yeah uh, and and clients who probably can't be bothered to read it all um so it's yeah there's a bit of a watch out there as well we're, we're, we're sailing into some interesting waters in terms of public sector procurement i think it'll be one of those things that becomes a bit of a cycle of realization that they're useless and will go back to other things or whatever but um yeah interesting times so i, I guess we should do the gimmicky um now we've had a good old natter that was good yeah good. sure we've done we've ticked it off right we've shared some things we think we've learned we've had a whinge about ccs this yeah. is this is this is all conversations about bids. Absolutely. It's all if, if I was if I was to moan about working late, we would have done everything. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do that because it's your own fault. That's, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just as a um, as a moment of uh, of praise for my employer, um, since I have started at uh, Ramble, I have done no late nights. Uh, and any time that I have worked out of my hours, I have been forcibly told to take it back uh, as time in lieu. Uh, they are they are extraordinarily good at making sure that people have work life balance. I've never worked anywhere like it, actually. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how they do it as a consultancy, right? Because consultancy is known for long days. Um, but uh, but no, sorry. But anyway, you were, yes, gimmicky podcast stuff. Gimmicky podcast stuff. So tell us about your, an inspirational person, favourite book, favourite quote, any of that sort of stuff or combination of the oh, above. Oh, God, okay. This is not what we rehearsed. You know, this <laughs> is a different question. Um, uh, okay, so inspirational person, um uh so I, i'm actually gonna i'm gonna say my dad um so my dad is a a full-time carer uh, my mum is a wheelchair user um and i have to say that every time i moan about working a long day um i i do think uh well actually this is pretty easy compared to what my dad does because uh, he doesn't really get any days off and he's often up in the night and all I have to do is get up a little bit earlier to sit at my desk and put this bid in. Um, so, so I think uh, I think it's it helped me in my life have a really useful work ethic. Uh, oh, that's a lovely one. Or, I know, or, yeah. That's properly inspirational compared to what we normally. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, well, we'll we'll, we'll take that then. Uh, well, thank you very much for making the time, mate. I know no, that's I'm fine. But busy man and uh it's it's been great to have you on because I, I i knew that you'd listen to us uh from from the start it's it's great to have uh people on who uh, actually listen to this garbled jumbled mess <laughs> <laughs> no no it's good I, I was very excited i was starstruck if anything <laughs> well good good luck so i know you've only you only started with rambo recently well, i did yeah. luck with the role and uh i'm sure you'll make a great success of it they are in, interesting firm and thanks again to them to letting you come on and uh, we'll, we'll speak again soon. Thank you, mate. No worries. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. So a really interesting session with, with Alfie. I, I think he's an absolute superstar, that guy. Um, really interesting insights there. Um, so as I said, we'll, we'll get more episodes to you uh, as we get into February and March. Uh, we just need to get back into sort of business as usual after Christmas and holidays and all sorts. Um, and so we'll be back in touch soon. Thanks.